Hello, my name is Rochelle Innocent and I'm the CEO and founder of Project Purpose. Welcome to our channel. Our community focuses on fostering the intellectual and character development in children. We do this through our parent-child workshops that focus on four themes. Autonomy, self-efficacy, compassion, and self-concept in order to cultivate grit, perseverance, and resilience in each child. At Project Purpose, our overarching mandate is to renew and rebuild family, community, and relationships. Our social media platforms provide us with an opportunity to have discussions on all topics that relate to family, community, and relationships with ourselves as well as with others, with a primary focus on mental health and education. More precisely, the ways that the institutions of mental health and education have played a role and currently play a role in our societies at large. These discussions and debates provide us with an opportunity to think critically about what needs to change within these structures in order for us to live up to our bold slogan, support, protect, and empower each child through youth-focused development, better known as leadership in juvenescence. We recognize that in valuing our children's leadership potential, that also translates as recreating and co-creating environments, both socially and politically, in order for our children to thrive. For those of you who are particularly keen on the topic, we do write thought pieces every other Sunday, and we have one scheduled to drop this upcoming Sunday. So definitely be sure to check out our website and check out our blogs once you're done. For those of you who don't have a chance to watch us on YouTube, you can definitely listen to us on the go. We are available on six different podcast platforms and we'll have the links in the description down below. As is the convention, definitely be sure to subscribe. Hit that post notification bell so that you're aware of every time we post. And of course, if you like these conversations and you want to keep them going, be sure to like, comment, and share this segment. Let's get into it. Hello, hello, and welcome back. And for those of you who are new, we cover topics that relate to mental health mental wellness and education on a week by week basis. And this week our focus of discussion is going to be on education. Now, before jumping into today's video, we have a couple of announcements as has been the standard all of June. We are very excited to announce that our compassion module has launched. It is live at exactly the same time that we publish this video today. So we're super thrilled to be able to make available to you our autonomy, self-efficacy, and now our Compassion E modules all provide three workshops and 21 days of daily activities in order to cultivate these skills and these lenses by which to navigate in the world. And definitely we're not done there. Still lots of moves, still lots going on. We are super thrilled though that we are in a place where we can provide you access to our core offering, which are these e-modules. With the purchase of your e-module, it also provides you access to one of the first of its kind continuous virtual digital e-learning environments. And by continuous, what we mean is that you start and stop at your convenience. There is no collective start and stop date. That said, you have access to everyone's progress as everyone courses through the different milestones. That helps you to really go deep 
deep with the thought exploration that is required for these modules. The objective of these modules is really to cultivate critical thinking lenses that allow children to navigate and make sound decision making as it relates to each of these pillars. So autonomy, self-efficacy, and compassion, and more to come as it relates to self-concept. But we are super thrilled that we're in a position where we can announce these, where we can make them available to you. We do have a members area, so definitely be sure to subscribe to the website to have access to the members area. And with each purchase of the e-module, you'll immediately be filtered into the group that aligns with the age category that you've purchased so that as you Go through the course as you upload your daily exercises, you can see how the community who is committed to cultivating that skill set within their children are coursing through as well. So we're super thrilled, we're super excited, and we'll definitely keep you in the loop as more becomes available. So definitely make sure you check that out, make sure you buy your e-module and be part of the Project Purpose hashtag Game Changer family. Now all of that to say, this week's topic is going to be back on modern education. And I've been keeping the conversation, the last few topics in modern education fairly light. And for this week, we're gonna do a two-part series on modern education. We'll be looking at the ways that modern education has really done damage to the family unit and, and the role that education has played in, in damaging the inner workings of the family unit. And when I say a family unit, I mean all families, but to varying degrees. And that will make sense in a moment. This is a very complex and multifaceted topic. And again, I, I haven't mentioned this in the last couple of education videos because I've kept it fairly light touch, but I am going to preface this conversation by saying these are my opinions. I'm going to be providing you with resources so that you know and can recognize that my opinions are informed. And I also wanna make sure that I preface this conversation by letting you know that I'm here hoping to have a conversation. I'm hoping to have a conversation and I wanna be open about my objectives. and I'm be open about why these objectives exist for me specifically and why this is something that I feel is so important for each of us as we think about the world that we want to leave toward the future generations that are looking up to us and expecting leadership from each and every one of us. Why this is such an important part of that discussion. Why we need to focus on on different ways that our society functions and why we need to at this point in time at this conjecture why we all sort of need to become aware of the fact that there are certain aspects of our society that are so deeply broken that we need to move beyond having conversations about how broken it is acknowledging how broken it is and moving towards how we effectively fix it. I've already mentioned in previous videos, and I'll add the cards here if you need to get caught up to speed. I mentioned in previous videos that the introduction of compulsory education also led to the disenfranchisement of, of normal individuals. So people who had the capacity to be self-sufficient, to, to be independent workers were not able to do that because the introduction of compulsory schooling made it so that it was pretty much impossible to be self-sufficient and it created reliances on mass production and mass markets that didn't exist before. And so when I talk about the disenfranchisement of individual families, of, of regular families, of you know families that were not of, of great affluence, but families that were self-sufficient, I want to talk very specifically about how this impacted marginalized communities. And when I say marginalized communities, I'm talking about BIPOC communities, so Black, Indigenous, and people of color. The introduction of the modern schooling system, compulsory education again, 
was not an act of goodwill. With the introduction of modern education came the school to prison pipelines. With the introduction of modern education came residential schools. With the introduction of modern education came social welfare systems that essentially are not built to integrate people into society and allow them to become self-sufficient, but to keep people wholly dependent on this system. So we need to recognize that when we look at the different systems that govern our day-to-day -day living, the mouth that feeds these systems is our modern education system. And, and when we look around in our day-to-day -day and, and we look at the spaces that we occupy and we wonder why there isn't a whole lot of diversity and inclusion in those spaces, why it's very hard to actively work towards meeting whatever quotas or benchmarks that you're hoping to attain in order to achieve diversity and inclusion initiatives is because you're working against a system that is an age-old system that has created disparities and different social communities that exist within our collective. And so when we talk to the school to prison pipeline, and I'm going to provide resources because each of the topics that I'm going into can be its own video, but I want to just talk at a high level why I am not someone who will ever advocate for the modern school link system as it is today and why it absolutely needs reform. When we talk about the school to prison pipeline, this impacts black and Latino communities far more disproportionately than other communities. When we talk about the horrible atrocities that took place in residential schools, we all know that that disproportionately, if only completely impacted the indigenous communities. So these are systems built on violence. These are very violent systems. Their objective is to create and maintain a social class. And we can't argue that that's not the objective because we look at the targets that these systems have and we look at the byproduct of the effects of being push through these systems and we have to be honest and upfront with ourselves as to why we don't see as many BIPOC community members working with us, at play with us in different, you know, collective day-to-day -day environments. And when I learned about the residential schools, so the 215 children that were found in a mass grave in the residential schools, this hit a mark within me very personally. For those of you who don't know, I was born in Edmonton, Alberta and raised in a very small French community before moving out to Ontario. And one of my first closest friends I had made, um, her name was Genevieve and she was First Nations. And a lot of my very deep, very fond childhood memories involved the adventures and the times that I had the opportunity to go on the reserve and play with my friend Genevieve. I, it could just be that we moved to Ontario and, and as a result of that, I lost contact with her. Um, but she was a friend that I was very, very, she was one of my first friends, like I like my first vivid memories of, of that friendship. And I just remember just having very, very fond memories of spending time with her at school, spending time with her on the First Nations Reserve. And I don't remember for the life of me, like what happened, what took place that made it so that I, I couldn't see her anymore. But I do know that the attachment that I had to Genevieve is an attachment that I carried with me after I moved to Ontario and with all the different friendships that I made. I am lucky to say that because of just the decisions that my parents made. I grew up with friends from a, 
from varying backgrounds. I was exposed to so much diversity growing up and I learned very early in my life that people can't be typecast based on place of origin or color of skin. Like we are all very much individuals and this is a value system that is deeply embedded in Project Purpose. But Genevieve was one of my first, most closest friends. I was very attached to her. And having that friendship taken away from me, and I don't remember, I don't remember the circumstance around it, that left a really deep void within me. And, and she's a friend that I've carried her memory with me for so long. And I wonder, you know, what she's doing and what she's up to. And when I heard about the residential schools, it really, for me, it made it all the more clear that if I do have the opportunity to create change and to create an impact, I need to remember the victims of our modern schooling system. And the victims, it's not just victims by way of people who have missed opportunity. When we talk about the school to prison pipeline, it's not just, you know, people who fell by the wayside. These are systems that were built to execute great violence. And it's hard for me to listen to the different discussions as people, you know, very abstractedly and objectively talk about these systems and the pain points within these systems without really deeply understanding and recognizing the lives that were taken by these systems, the backs that were broken, the spirits that were crushed by these systems. And so for me, it made it all the more personal and all the more imperative that I share the information that is required for everyone to recognize that there is nothing good that has come from these systems. There is nothing good that has come from them other than you know a clear, clear classist demarcation a lot of which that is perpetuated based on deeply racist ideologies that were embedded in the construction of these systems. And while I don't believe that those who are maintaining these systems today are all people who believe these ideologies, we can't allow ourselves to think that these systems that were built to allow certain people opportunities while other people to, to suffer at the expense of others, we can't assume that these systems have somehow along the way without intention have become systems that are are going to support everyone. They haven't been built to support everyone. They have been built to support a few, but worse than that, the few that they were not built to support, they were built to, to oppress and to execute violence and to harm. And that is a fact that we can no longer ignore with, with just the new information that's coming about. and and. For me, it's personal because I have a friend, I have memories of someone who is from this community. For some people, they hear this news and it's, you know, it's sad news, it's sombering news, but because they don't have maybe a connection to someone from this community, it feels far removed. And I challenge you to not allow yourselves to feel as though this is something that doesn't pertain to you, it doesn't concern you, because a lot of the privileges that we all have had access to is a byproduct of it being provided to us at the expense of these marginalized communities. And, and then this is the black community as well, but all marginalized communities. And I think it's all of our responsibilities to recognize the deep effects of this, the way that it has impacted families for generations upon generations, and to know that this is the moment, this is the time where we really need to put 
our energy into creating change. So I wanted to talk first about the school to prison pipeline. It should be concerning to everyone that the criminal system and the education system are interconnected. If you do enough research and I'll provide some links down below, we need to then realize that modern education, again, not for educating, but for classifying is about social efficiency. And we all need to have a problem with the fact that the reason why we don't see many faces of diversity within different post-secondary in institutions, with, at, at different master's level institutions, at different graduate level institutions and in different workplace environments is because a lot of them have been pulled out of the rank before they even had an opportunity to try. Both criminal and educational institutions form a complex web of interconnected pathways that differentially support success or incarceration, depending largely on a person's social location and identity. The criminalization of racial minorities is a traditional practice. It's been a traditional practice in Canada as well as in the United States. It remains an integral part of our criminal justice system, and it's clearly a human rights issue. It's a human rights issue that marginalized communities, racialized communities are out of the gate criminalized by this system and targeted while they're in schools and pipelined into different criminal institutions and criminal bodies. And not just criminal institutions, there's criminal, there's mental, and then there's a social welfare institution. And then those who aren't caught by those three bodies of institutions somehow have an opportunity to be successful. They're part of the minority that aren't devoured by a system that is meant to oppress and to maintain a certain social order built on classist ideals fueled by racist ideologies. So with this fact, if my prerogative, and it is my prerogative, is to rebuild family and to rebuild community, then I have to have a point of contention with our modern day schooling system because the modern day schooling system is the mouth that feeds these systems that are deeply racist and that have a huge role in breaking families apart in order to be able to better and to easily access children at a very young age and pipeline into these various systems that are not built to support them but are built to keep them oppressed. Education, which later on in life translates to our workplace, is the locus of our lived experiences. We build our lives revolving around work. We build our lives revolving around education and revolving around school. And then we build what we can of our lives into our hobbies, into things that from, from which we derive joy. And a lot of us don't have the time to derive joy out of our lives. We, our lives are spent dedicating our energy to institutions that churn profitability for a small select few. And it's interesting that no one ever stops to question this radical loss of freedom. If you want success, your success is at the expense of your freedom and no one questions it. We've normalized it. No one questions the fact that we lose our ability to spend quality time with our children because if we want our children to have futures, we sacrifice the time we spend with them. And we've normalized that. And no one questions the fact that we can't build our lives with our family at the center of it and then pick and choose what part of our lived experiences are given to institutions and to bodies in order to create livelihood. Our lives revolve around collecting livelihood and it's been set up so that we have to spend all of our time giving our time away in order to have enough to provide 
for our families. So if it is the case that we want to provide for our families and the majority of us do, then we know that that means we don't get face time, we don't get quality time, and we don't have the opportunity to really build bonds with our children and to raise our children in our households. We leave that to these education systems, but recognize that these education systems have different objectives, they have different agendas, and those agendas and those objectives aren't to create equal opportunities for success for all children. And it's too late to think about diversity and inclusion in the workplace when diversity and inclusion have not been the tenets of success for the entire period of time that these children have coursed through the education system. And, and we think about parent alienation and parent alienation is really the reason why I'm, I'm talking about this because I've been having a lot of conversation and having access to a lot of conversations around parent alienation and why it's so easy to do. I'm gonna do a deeper dive on parent alienation in our second video, but even the fact that this is a thing, it's made possible because of Parents Patriot. I've written blogs on Parents Patriot and I'm gonna insert the link in the description down below so that you can read it. But because of Parents Patriot, when you are a parent, when you are a mother or a father within Canada or within the United States or a lot of European Commonwealth countries, the state through Parents Patriot becomes the parent. They are the primary care taker of your children. Rendering biological parents as disposable, your children can easily be taken away from you. And, and this fact is heavily felt by fathers just because of the social norms that create distance between a father's role and his importance and impact as being a present member of the family. We all recognize that, you know, fathers are expected to be the breadwinners, they're supposed to be the providers, but fathers' emotional attachment to their children have weight as well. But because of the patriarchal typecasts of manhood and of fathers, this really is not something that is translating all that effectively in court systems and in family court systems as we see that a lot of the rulings are heavily rewarded towards the mother. But like parents patriarchy, also a byproduct of modern compulsory schooling. Like these, these elements are interconnected. I want an equal partner who recognizes the deep significance of his emotional bonds to his children, should I have children one day. And I will not allow any system and, or, or organized collective schools of thought to diminish his value within the family setting that I would like to create for myself in the future. But I think that this is something that also extends out into the world around us. We can celebrate single mother families, uh, only mother families, only father families. We can celebrate every type of family and celebrating fathers and elevating fathers and giving them sort of a stake within family isn't going to take away from the significance of mothers, isn't going to take away from other lived familial experiences. And I think it's about time that we recognize that and we start to break away from social norms that has something different to say about, about a father's role within a family. From my vantage point, and I've done the research, when we think about the layers of dysfunction within our society, it starts within schools. Schools is where the classification begins. And yet, for whatever reason, we don't see it. We don't see, like, we can't, when we look at the criminal system, we, we, we try to fix, we're trying to figure out, like, how do we fix the criminal justice system? How do we look at the issues that are rampant within the mental health community and the fact that, you know, mental health institutions aren't able to properly address all of the mental health concerns? 
when we talk about the social welfare system, when we think about success in life and we think about how we achieve success in life, we don't think about the systems that oppress groups of individuals that make it so that their capacity to achieve that same level of success is harder. We don't want to think about it within that lens because we feel it somehow takes away from our success, but it does not. At the end of the day, though, would we not want to put our energy in creating a society that does not have systems in place to break and bend and harm children in order to ensure a social classification structure is in place. Why would we wanna keep this going? Why would we want to continue on living on a day-to-day -day basis with this knowledge at the forefront of our minds and not want to address it? Schools currently build, they function to build national wealth and how they build national wealth is by cannibalizing in our personal sovereignty, our sense of morality, and also on our family life. And I think it's about time that we redefine that moving forward. And if redefining that moving forward means redefining the way we look at schooling or choosing alternative schooling, especially as someone who's a member of the BIPOC community, if schooling was built in order to create pipelines to you know, mental health institutions, to prisons, um, if within schools we have this history of, of what takes place within residential schools, schools with the indigenous community, with the abuse and the atrocities that took place within these residential schools of the reason why you have your nutritional value information on your cereal boxes. We know how much food someone needs to function as a byproduct of the starvation practices that took place within these residential schools. We fail to recognize that this knowledge needs to convert itself into action. We need to do something with this knowledge. We can't continually to passively live day by day, recognizing that these systems still live and breathe and not do our part in dismantling these systems and creating systems where everyone has an equal opportunity to live, to succeed, and to thrive and an equal opportunity to heal from from a lot of what has taken place you know with within our societies and as i close this video because i'm getting a sense that this video is getting to be a bit too long is is rather than educate what i really hope that you get from this video is schools have been a vehicle that have quite literally torn families apart that have ripped children out of their homes, that have tagged and pipelined children for the criminal system, for social welfare systems, as well as to be permanently sort of encapsulated within the mental health care system, which I have a video that shows like how that system is in and of itself very broken. Um, so schools are less about education, they're more about creating and maintaining class. Classist structures formed on racist ideologies. And I think at this stage, all of us are aware enough of the harmful effects of these systems. And if the mouth that feeds these different systems is the schooling system, we all have it within our ability to make the choices for our families to ensure that we're no longer feeding into the system. And if that means we choose alternative schooling, great. If that means we choose homeschooling, great. But we can no longer feed into a system that has harmed so many communities within our society, that serves to continue to harm so many communities within our society. Hence, <laughs> my continued call for the demotion or complete removal of the modern school system as it stands and to focus on creating alternative methodologies to educate our children. That was the talk this week. Again, my thoughts and my heart goes out to the Indigenous communities who are grieving the loss of the 215 students at the residential school along with other students that I'm sure we have yet to find. And, and I really do hope that as you watch this video, you see that I'm sincerely so dedicated to this movement and everything that takes place within 
the news and within our societies just further reinforces why I'm going to continue my efforts towards moving us towards a different platform that is more inclusive, that doesn't have these classist ideals as their hidden objective and doesn't have this undercurrent of violence that is rampant throughout the systems that are in place. And I hope that you feel the same. So thank you so much for watching this video. I really appreciate your time and attention. Um, and until next time.